right, Mascara. Let me hear you. All right. Oh, yeah. All right, now, everybody smile. There we go. Awesome. Well, how were the breakouts? Fantastic? All right, a few announcements. This was found in the ladies' room. Not by me, I promise. Somebody came out. So if anybody is missing the... Is it you? <gasps> no! I found it. I've been wearing it ever since. I kind of like it. It was... A, well, no. I mean, it kind of matches. But what's your name? Lena. Lena. Where are you from, Lena? Tucson, Arizona. You win your ring back. Might be a little sweaty. I'm sorry. Oh. All right. Fantastic. I'm glad Lena found that. Thank you, whoever gave that to me. Update. Andrea Brown. She was the girl that was up here crying and, and having all that excitement over Bill and Juliana. We went to the third floor and got married. So. The chapel's on the second floor, but we went to the third floor. It was really, you know, really weird. Anyway, well, we've been so honored to have you all this weekend. I was so thrilled to be back here for my second year with Mascara. It's been so much fun. And you've had great speakers, great breakout sessions, application trainings, parties, spending time together, laughing, bonding, just having a whole lot of fun. I could talk about it all afternoon, but instead, why don't we all take a look at it? Yeah.
That's what I call some beautiful faces. You know, I think it would be an understatement to say that this was a truly unforgettable weekend. Am I right? Yeah. So why don't we start the afternoon with an unforgettable couple. Please welcome to the stage, Nick and Kara. I've never seen a diamond in the flesh. I cut my teeth Thank you, Billy. Wow, it's been an amazing weekend. Again, we're so happy that we could join you this weekend and that you're here. Um, the fun's not over. We're so excited for tonight. Who's excited for the Kaleidoscope party? We're excited to see you all in your crowns. Speaking of crowns, we know as artists you wear a lot of them. You juggle your businesses, your family life, your commitments to your community, and much more. We at Mascara wear a few crowns ourselves, and the one that we're most proud of is our foster care initiative. As foster parents, this is something that's near and dear to our hearts. I, when I first started looking into foster care, I read a story about a little girl, um, and she was in a group home, and um, she talked about how when parents would come to look um, at, at the kids to see if they wanted to bring any home, that she would try to put on her prettiest dress and get in her best behavior. And um, the idea, to me, the idea that any child wouldn't have a mom to put your hand on her forehead when, when they're sick, see if they have a fever or a dad, to tell him that he's proud of them and that he loves them was just unbearable to me. And so I felt like we had to um, do something. So I talked Nick into becoming a foster parent and... Um, and it's been one of it's the most true. incredible things. I won't lie, I needed a nudge. I needed <laughs> a push. Karen and I talked about adopting later in life. It's something that we'd always wanted to do, but one day she came home and she said, we got to do it now. <laughs> I said, you're nuts. And um, there's so, you know, I had so many good reasons uh, for not doing it. Um, but if there's one thing that I've learned in seven years of marriage is that she doesn't have very many bad ideas <laughs> and I'm usually blessed by every single one of them and this one was harder though but she convinced me to get to the classes and to learn and that first class changed me I went and I learned and I saw the need and I saw what these children were up against and it completely changed me. And it went from something that I had every excuse in the book to stay away from to something that I could not turn away from. And I had to go and get involved. And it's been the most tremendous experience of my life. When I saw, um, I wanted to go into foster um, to help people or to help some kids. And when I realized that I was the one that was really helped and that our family was blessed so tremendously from it, that made me realize that most people don't realize that. And that's why I really wanted to create a foundation that helped spread the word about how incredible it was and helped get children into homes that they fully and completely deserve. We could only be really good, amazing parents to so many kids. And so with, through this foundation, we can help so many more that we couldn't actually bring into our home ourselves. So what is the 3D Foundation? 
Why do we call it the 3D foundation? Well, there's three Ds. The first is dispel. Dispel the negative myth and stigma surrounding foster care and provide education and resources to communities and prospective foster families. Diminish. Diminish the surplus of children in the foster care system by encouraging families to open their hearts and provide safe and loving homes. And demonstrate. Demonstrate that love is never wasted because helping children find love and support in a family setting that they otherwise wouldn't have makes all the difference. I have seen... <laughs> I have seen Josh speak. Um, have you guys ever seen Josh Ship speak? Yes, a few of you. So that's good. You're all going to have a real treat a today. Treat. <laughs> We're going to be welcoming on Josh Ship onto the stage. Tell us a little about him. About Josh? I will. As a foster care child himself, st statistically, Josh Shipp should be dead, in jail, or homeless. But his success as a preeminent author, speaker, and global youth empowerment expert is living proof of the power of one caring adult. A former at-risk foster kid turned youth advocate, Josh is renowned for the documentary TV series on A&E that followed his grand groundbreaking work with youth and families. We would like to give a warm welcome to the stage, Mr. Josh Shipp. Well, for me, growing up as a foster kid, I sort of mastered the art of getting kicked out of foster homes. You see, I found what kids do not talk out, they will often act out. What kids do not talk out, they will often act out. And for me, growing up as a kid in foster care, I felt that I had no one that I could sort of turn to and talk to about these different heartbreaking and confusing and terrifying things going on in my own life, so I repeatedly and constantly acted out. And looking back on it now as an adult, as a dad, the most sort of absurd thing about this is I didn't take it out on the people who hurt me, I took it out on the various people who were actually trying to help me. Uh, Here's how cynical I grew about my situation. I would literally keep a 99-cent Mead notebook, like the one you see on the screen, with quantitative statistical analysis of how quickly I could get kicked out of each foster home. No joke, I had three columns in this notebook. Column one, that was the date that I entered the foster home. Column two, I would jot the date that I got kicked out of the foster home. And column three, I would write down the methodology that I employed to successfully get kicked out of that foster home. Now, admittedly, as odd, bizarre, mildly amusing as it sounds, that notebook was my only sense of safety and control growing up as a kid in foster care in a life that otherwise felt completely and entirely out of my control. See, when kids don't talk out, they will act out in such a variety of ways. The fact of the matter is, for me growing up, because of what I've gone through, I trusted no one. Most sadly, any adult who entered my life, I immediately, because of what happened with the first adult I met, I immediately would write them off. My biological mother, she was 17 the day she gave birth to me. This hospital in Oklahoma City, 
My mom gave birth to me, packed up her belongings, and several hours later, slipped out the side door of that hospital, abandoning me as a baby. She simply left a note that said, I want what is best for him, and that is not me. Now, let's acknowledge something sort of obvious. Um, that day I was born, I don't remember that day at all. <laughs> right? I mean, nor do you, nor does anyone the day you're born. But, but what I remember come four or five years old is I had this sort of massive insecurity and fear about letting other adults into my life. The narrative in my mind went something like this, Josh, you idiot, don't you be fooled again. Don't you get it? Every adult that follows her is going to do the exact same thing she did to you. Wash their hands of you, give up on you, slip out the side door on you. To the time I was eight years old, I was living temporarily in a group foster home because I was acting out quite a bit. I was quite a bit to handle. One night in this group home, a 21-year-old man who lived in that home raped me as an eight-year-old boy. This was so confusing to deal with as an eight-year-old. Look, let's acknowledge it. It's, it's quite awkward for me to talk about this afternoon, as you could probably imagine. For some of you, it's quite heavy to hear about this afternoon. Look, we both have fair points. But let's point the spotlight on that eight-year-old boy who had just gone through this tragic event, and because he was so distrusting, it pushed away every adult who could have come alongside him and said, look, kid, this is not your fault. Look, let's, let's get you someone you can talk to. Let's talk about this. Let me introduce you to someone who's been through this so they can talk to you that this is not define who you are. I did the exact opposite. I made, a, I made a pledge to myself. I would tell no one, let alone a couple of, like, a couple of, like hundreds of like, lovely makeup folk in Vegas. I was like, what are they going to think of my complexion? I'm like, I don't, I don't, someone's like, you look so tan. It's like, I don't tan, I freckle. And the, the freckles, they connect if I've been in the sun a lot. <laughs> so I told no one to don't talk out, you'll act out. This only deepened my distrust of adults. This only escalated my acting out and my distrust of anyone who I thought would want to help me. And then to the time I was 14 and I was in middle school, I would get sort of bullied, picked on, made fun of for being the short, freckled, overweight foster kid. Uh, and I'll be honest, most of it I don't remember. I, I'm not here for your sympathy. I'm happy as an adult, like I'm good. But you know how every once in a while, even though as an adult, you sort of develop this, uh, you have to, a, a sort of a thick skin. You know how every once in a while someone sort of says something to you that sort of slips past your defense mechanism? Eighth grade, middle school hallway, crowded, this kid yells out, hey, Josh Shipp, I turn around. I don't even know this kid well enough to know his full name. I look at him, he says this, he says, you are nothing but a stupid, fat, pathetic, punk foster kid. It's no wonder your mom left you at the hospital. Y'all, I had a thick skin at this point. But that... Two 
two hours later, I tried to end my life. Honest to goodness, I didn't want to die. I just wanted this unpredictable, chaotic, painful existence that I was going through. I wanted, I wanted that to stop, that to slow down, not my heartbeat. Now, fast forward, here's a photo of me at 14 years old. This is the one year I played middle school football in Oklahoma. That's where the photo was from. I don't know where y'all are from, but like in Oklahoma, they take middle school football insanely seriously. <laughs> I remember I'm 14 in this photo. I'm in seventh grade. I lined up against another seventh grade kid to play football. I look under this kid's helmet. He has a beard. <laughs> I look over. He has like a wife and children in the stands. <laughs> I'm like, this is not okay. This guy can vote. What is... This is wrong. But do me a favor in the sound booth. Take the, uh, put that photo back up there. Look at this kid, this me. Some of you, your parents, you have a kid this age. Some of you, in your community, maybe there's some kid you care about who's this age. In many ways, this is your typical sort of middle school boy, right? Kind of cute, kind of awkward, typical. A little mischievous looking. Fair, I was. Do me a favor, though. Focus your attention right now on my eyes. Everything I told you all the last five minutes, I had never told one single person at this age. But can't you see it there? See, I believe so many times that with young people, they're eyes tell a story that their mouth yet doesn't have the courage to speak, and that was absolutely my situation at this point. So, at this point in that notebook I described to you, I have 12 logs. I've been kicked out of 12 different foster homes because of my squirrely behavior. My high score at this point, two weeks. That's how quickly I got kicked out of a foster home. Some of you are thinking, I thought this session was supposed to like, talk us into being foster parents. What is happening right now? Don't get ahead of me, I'll get there, okay? My social worker, she comes, picks me up in this white government-issued van we drive around in all the time, she picked me up in. Uh, and we pull up into some random driveway in a town called Yukon, Oklahoma. And my social worker starts to tell me about these next set of foster parents. She's going through a typical spiel, like, you know, these are good people, give them a chance. I don't have to come back here and pick your butt up again, like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I remember I was tuning her out, but I remember as I was tuning her out, because I'd heard her spiel before, something sort of appeared up on the porch of this home, like, oh, it was kind of over this way. I kind of look up, it kind of snapped me out of my not paying attention. I look up, and that's when I saw this for the very first time. This right here, this is Rodney. Exactly. Right? You're not trying to be rude, I'm not either, but let's be honest, you're all thinking exactly what I was at 14. I'm thinking, oh crap, that is a big old boy. <laughs> I cannot push this guy around. Now, I'm 14, I got ADD, I'm just staring at this man with amazement, I'm going, that's weird. When he's turned to the side, he resembles a lowercase b. <laughs> uh, 
Now look, obviously this afternoon I'm making a joke. As a, as a kid in that driveway, in that van, I was not trying to be funny. This was tactical. I thought, maybe this Rodney guy is sensitive about his weight. Maybe that's how I gain some sense of control in a life that feels so out of my control. Maybe that's how I push him away before he can hurt me. See, I think there's so many misconceptions about foster kids, and one of the more difficult ones to untangle is that so many times as adults, because I now work with kids like me, it's really easy to take their acting out, to take their sort of insults, their something as superficial that doesn't matter as the way we look. It's so easy to take that personal. But often it's about something that happened before we even showed up in their life, before we were even in their life. It wasn't something we caused, it wasn't something we could have stopped. They don't talk out, they'll act out. Often on the people who feel the safest. It's not fair, it's a bit messed up, but it is a reality. Social worker, she's still talking. I'm trying to extract intelligence I can use against this family. I go, uh, excuse me, these foster parents here, uh, they got any illnesses that I should be briefed on? <laughs> Social worker's like, no, not really. She said, well, the, uh, Rodney, you know, the gentleman I showed you, the B, he said, he has something called narcolepsy. I was like, what? What is that? She said, narcolepsy, meaning he could be doing something sort of like calm and mellow, and then he would just like randomly fall asleep. I'm like, that sounds awesome. I want narcolepsy. <laughs> I asked my social worker, excuse, I'm sorry, but what does a guy with narcolepsy do for a job? She says, this is not a joke, he is a driver's ed teacher. <laughs> laughter, laughter, confusion. <laughs> People who live in Oklahoma are like, that explains the driving there. So I make a mental note of these things. Rodney, his wife Christine, I'm about to move in with them. The weight, I hope he's sensitive about that because I'm going to attack it. Because my number one objective is to beat my high score of two weeks. I'm going to get kicked out of here much quicker. So I move in with Rodney, his wife Christine. From the onset, I'm just letting them have it being rebellious, obnoxious, defiant, I'm getting suspended from middle school, I'm finding beloved family possessions, I'm setting them on fire, I'm making fun of his weight, I uh, stole their family vehicle, attempted to sell it for a profit. I was an entrepreneur, I would have my name on the wall out there, okay? My, don't laugh, you're encouraging my behavior. My high score at this point in the notebook, two weeks. With Rodney, I don't mean to brag, and his wife Christine, all it took to break them was three years later. Three years. I can't get this guy to kick me out. He can't even stay awake. This was supposed to be easy. I decide I'm going to step up my game because I'm not quite yet sure if he's really for me. 
Am I just a project? Am I something he got guilted into? Am I something he thought about doing after watching some movie like Instant Family? Or is he really for me? So I go to the small town bank, open up a checking account. Most of us similar enough age to remember like, you know, probably your first checking account, right? They didn't slide you a debit card, right? They give you a checkbook, right? I had like 100 bucks in my account. I look at the checkbook, there's like 30 checks there. I'm like, this is a gift from the Lord. <laughs> I write every single one of these checks, north of $10,000 worth. I want to isolate this one right here. It was for my car insurance. I wrote a hot check for that. I don't know how it works where you live, but in Oklahoma, you got car insurance for a period of time, they will find out, sort of, the system self-corrects. They cancel your driver's license. I'm going up I-35, speed limit 65, I'm going 88. I don't got car insurance. I don't even got a driver's license. I get pulled over, I get handcuffed, I get thrown in the back of a cop car, and I get sent to jail. Now, statistically, this is where I'm supposed to end up anyway. And many people assume this is where I would end up, and frankly, I don't blame them. I wasn't doing myself any favors. So I get in the jail, and eventually someone sort of comes around to me and says, hey, kid, you can, uh, you can have your phone call. So I go up to the, the payphone. There's no coin slot, but I go up to the payphone. It dials out. I call the only number I have memorized, the phone number of Mr. Rodney. He picks up, hello. I'm terrified to talk to him. I said, uh, I'm just staring. To, uh, Rodney, uh, hi, it's me. So, um, well, I just, there's something I, I mean, I sort of have to, um, uh, well, Rodney, uh, I just. <laughs> Rodney? Yeah. I remember he goes, you got to get on with it. Fair. <laughs> I, I said, Rodney, it's me. Um, I'm in Stillwater, I'm in the jail. I've done something, <laughs> I've done something stupid, even for me. I said, Rodney, I swear to you, I'll come clean, I'll tell you everything. Would you please come bail me out tonight? Rodney said, I will come bail you out, but not until tomorrow morning. He says sweet dreams, he hangs up on me. <laughs> Research shows Every kid needs an adult who will be both tough and tender. Meaning, an adult in their life who cares enough to bail them out of the situations they didn't cause and that they're too young to deal with. That's the tender side of it. Kid gets left at a hospital, kids get left by their parents, kids, some sort of kid in need, like so many foster kids are these days, needs someone, someone to step in, step up, be their Rodney. But they also need that tough side from time to time to not bail them out of the things that not their situation caused, but they caused. Because these could be the moments where they learn to take responsibility for their own life. All lessons all of us have had to learn the hard way often. So next morning rolls around. I was in a, uh, I was in a sort of a holding cell, sort of frankly this size. This is sort of weird. Uh, minus, minus the makeup propaganda back there, a little less of that. Kind of this size, mainly with just like drunk people from the night before. But right here, I remember 
there was a window where you could see people kind of queuing up to come bail folks out. Make sense? I remember I, I get up, I stand at this window, and I, I think, well, here we go. This is Rodney and Christine's. This is their clean exit. Here's a clean off-ramp. Look, we're good people, but we didn't, <laughs> we didn't sign up for this. See ya. I remember I stood up. <sighs> Swear to God, Rodney's the very first person standing in line. I'm not going to guilt everyone in here that you need to be a foster parent. Some of you need to be, some of you want to be, some of you are on the fence. If you're on the fence, I hope I push you over. But everyone in this room can be a Rodney, can show up. When everyone else walks out of that kid's life, slips out on him, slips out on her, washes their hands of her, says, well, look, you know, I'll, I'll be there when they're sort of nice and sweet and, you know, respecting my time because I'm super busy and I got my own kids, my business, my stuff. Everyone can be a Rodney, the person who shows up. Showing up doesn't mean you approve of what they do. It means you believe in who they are. So Bell's me, I would do the paperwork. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> sorry, I just remember something. I, it was a one hour car ride from Stillwater, that jail, uh, to Yukon, his home. That one hour car ride, uh, I could tell Rodney was super pissed, right? <laughs> so he said like nothing, right? Awkward, tense, silent. He didn't even like do me a favor like turning on the radio, right? And I was like, oh, this is so awkward. As a dad myself, now I get it. Sometimes my own children do something so dumb. I'm like, if I talk to you right now, like, best case, I'm going to say something I regret. Worst case, I'm going to tase you. <laughs> it's legal in Oklahoma. Don't judge me, all right? <laughs> to each their own. <laughs> that was funny. Anyway. We pull back up into that driveway where I first saw Mr. Lowercase b. He breaks the silence. This is literally the first sentence he says in the first hour. He says this, I wrote it down for you. He said, Josh, we need to sit down and talk. Josh, we need to sit down and talk. Now to you, this might be just a sentence, eight words, no big deal. To me, this is a log in a notebook. Right? This, is, this is the opening overture to the uncomfortable conversation. I'm like, look, kid, you got to go elsewhere. And I don't blame him for wanting to get rid of me. Rodney, his wife Christine, sit me down to kick me out. Rodney begins a conversation. He says, Josh, you know, you can, you can keep messing up and acting up and acting out and trying to get us to kick you out. And then he got kind of loud, sort of coach-like. He said, but you've got to get it through your thick head, son. Him calling me son put me at ease. He said, don't you see, we don't actually see you as a problem. He said, we see you as an opportunity.
Now, don't let me sort of over-dramatize um, this moment. As a 17-and-a-half-year-old, I thought it was cheesy. I'm like, really? But then, I, lo then I, no, I, I looked at their voting record. Watch. This time, they could have walked out on me. This time, my foster mother could have said no. This time, Rodney, my foster dad, could have said, we didn't sign up for this. This time, they could have washed their hands on me, slipped out on me, given up on me. This was, this was not words. This was their commitment. I work with foster kids now. I was one. I study them now at Harvard University. And one of the most uneloquent but straightforward ways I could put it is often the only qualification you need other than being a decent human being is are you willing to be 1% more hard-headed than they are? 1% more stubborn and relentless and persistent than they are. Because that conversation, that changed my life. Here's a bit of the State of the Union of what young people are going through these days. 3.2 million kids, the research shows, are victims of bullying each year. 1.2 million kids drop out of school each year. 90% of adult drug addicts begin using or experimenting with drugs before age 18. Foster youth, half of them will become homeless by age 19 and a half, often because they don't have a Rodney. That's my foster dad, a Christine, that's my foster mom in their life. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for preteens and teenagers. We could summarize this by saying this, that every kid is one decision away from being a statistic. Honestly, I've seen kids, it's like one thing happens in their life and now some kid, some family, you would never, that kid is now in foster care, that kid now doesn't have a home, that kid now doesn't have a Rodney, a someone to turn to, an imperfect but caring adult in their life. For me, statistically, I'm supposed to be dead in jail or homeless. But there's one thing that the statistics do not account for, and that is that kid having a Rodney. The fact of the matter is this, every kid is one caring adult away from being a success story. Every kid. Every kid. Understand, I don't say this to guilt you, I don't say this to inspire you. I say this, y'all, because I was that kid. I was that kid, and look at me, because of one random. My foster dad, and my, my foster dad was a middle school teacher and a, 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 a driver's ed fella. My mother, she was a repo woman. Like, you don't make your car payments, she comes, steals your car. I'm like, that is a perfect foster mother, right? Like, I will nurture you, I will hug you, and then I will shoot you, right? <laughs> But they weren't perfect, they weren't qualified, they didn't like, they didn't have like degrees in this stuff. They said, there's a need, there's a kid. Like that window. All right, fine, I'll show up. Here's what Harvard found, and I quote, every child who winds up doing well has had at least one stable and committed relationship with a supportive adult. Meaning every kid needs that Rodney. Every kid needs that Rodney. And all of us, 
whether you're going to be a foster parent, whether you're going to support a foster parent, whether you're going to mentor someone who's in foster care, whether you're going to mentor a kid who you see is going down the wrong track, but they aren't technically a foster kid, but you know because you went through something similar. Every kid needs that Rodney. Let me put it like this. This right here is a picture of a jar with 936 marbles. Imagine each single marble represents one week in the life of a kid from the time that kid is born until the time that same kid turns 18 years old. So if you gave birth to a baby tomorrow, you got 936 weeks till the sweet, adorable, cute baby, till she's 18. Doesn't mean you're not around, doesn't mean you don't influence her. But you get it, more on her shoulders, less of you around, less of your influence. By the time that same kid turns nine, look at this, you got 468 weeks remaining. If you'll notice by this point, if you are a parent, you have lost um, half your marbles. <laughs> that is not a joke, I have a nine-year-old. What we call on stage therapy. <laughs> 16. Can I say something kind of crass, but it's true because I grew up in it? Everyone wants the puppy. Who wants that 16 year old dog? That's who I was. 104 weeks. Rodney, Stillwater, that morning he bailed me out. I was 17 and a half. He had 26 weeks remaining. So it's not about how much time you do or don't have left to step up, to show up, to make a difference in the life of a young person. Even if you just got a single marble, a single conversation, a single you see that kid, you know what, you pulled them to this, I thought that, I believed that about myself, I let some person make me feel that way, and let, let me tell you, that is not one conversation, one moment, one, have you ever thought about? The whole reason I do this thing that I do, like kind of talking to people, I would get kicked out of class a lot for talking, Spanish teacher, pull me out in the hallway, one sentence, one marble, she says this, have you ever thought about speech and debate? Because I know you get in trouble for this, but I think you can make a difference in people's lives. She didn't have to adopt me, but she was intentional. Because intentionality is about what it comes down to. Because of this, kids spell trust, T-I-M-E. Think of your own Rodney, that grandmother, that coach, that teacher, aunt, uncle, pastor, whoever it is, when I talk about my Rodney, you sort of picture her. Why did she make a difference? It wasn't because she was perfect, this. She invested time, she showed up. Even when she had other things going on, even when you didn't acknowledge the sacrifices she was making, even when you didn't sort of outwardly go like, hey, wow, I really appreciate you, like, you know, investing time in me, and I kind of tell you to go screw yourself often, but hey, you're really making a difference in my life. <laughs> time is a differentiating factor. 
Real quick, as I wrap up, I want to uh, leave you with something. Do me a favor real quick. Please pull out your cell phone. Often when I do these presentations, folks will say, hey, that was amazing. I want to, like, share your story with someone uh, because I have, you know, someone at home or a foster parent I know or I'm kind of interested in foster care, but I need to, like, you know, talk my, my, my spouse or my partner into it. So if you text my first name, Josh, to 66866, It'll automatically text you back. It'll ask for your email. You reply with your email. And then you will be sent my slides from today, as well as sort of a five-minute uh, truncated version of this message that I've put together that you could share with someone, either as sort of like, hey, could we be a Rodney? Whether that be a foster parent or a volunteer to foster kids. Or to encourage a foster parent who feels like, they're not making a difference even though they really are. I want to end by showing you something I thought would never happen considering how I grew up. This is one of my own kids. This is my daughter. This is Katie. Yeah, she's going to be expensive. <laughs> not funny. <laughs> uh, my wife was out with our son. I was in charge of Katie all day. I know she looks super cute there, but there are like little annoying things about her that don't show up. In this photo, parents, you know what I'm saying? And someday, even though I talk about this stuff, like, I can be totally impatient and just like look back on days and go, I, I blew it as a dad. But this day, I was, I was patient, I was calm, or little annoyances, I didn't let him bug me, I left my phone at home, I wasn't sort of digitally checking out when she started to bug me. So I remember that night, I'm snuggling her, getting ready to put her to bed, and uh, I'm, I remember I was holding her on her, and, and these faces started popping into my mind. Rodney, Christine, my foster mother, my social worker, Jeannie, Mrs. Wilhite, that Spanish teacher, these different one caring adults who stepped up, who showed up, and made this possible. So I remember I was holding her and Forgive me, this is a little cheesy, but I never met my biological dad. So I remember I held her and I just said something I never heard from my own dad. I just said, Katie, you just, Daddy really, really, really loves you. I remember Katie looked back at me, I'll never forget it. She said this, she said, I love mommy. If you laughed at that, you're a jerk. <laughs> I moved in with Rodney and Christine in 1994. I didn't thank them one single time until the year 2004. It's 10 years later. Here we are, present day. See, when you are a Rodney, when you show up, when you step up in the life of a kid, often that payoff is delayed. So, so for some of you, you're thinking about going down this path. For some of you, you're down this path, and it often feels discouraging. But hear me clearly, do not judge in real time what history will prove over time. 
Do not judge in real time the unbelievable difference you are making or could be making in the life of a kid like me in your community, in your neighborhood, in your midst right now. I want to give the final word to this, of this presentation to the two people in my life who deserve it the most. And that would be my foster parents, Rodney and Christine. I wanted to bring them here, but my mom's having a few health talent challenges, so I did the next best thing. Sent a buddy with a video camera, I said, hey, I'm gonna be talking at like some makeup thing, I don't know, like. <laughs> my mom's like, give me some swag. I was like, <laughs> I was like, mom, don't use those words, you're embarrassing. <laughs> but, but thank you, yes, thank you. I'm assuming that's for me, yes, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I mean, for my mom, are you gonna say no to her? But I said, hey, I'm going to be talking to these folks and uh, they care about kids like me. Foster kids, kids that are hurting that aren't even foster kids. I said, would you share, just take two minutes, share a funny story or two and give a little bit of encouragement to folks who are Rodneys or on the cusp of being a Rodney, but maybe don't even realize it. So I'm not going to come back up for your applause because I don't want it. I want you to give it to them after this video. It's been an honor. Here is the final word. From my glorious foster parents to you, here's Rodney and Christine. Okay, my name is Christine Wiedemeyer, and I'm Josh's mom, who he doesn't call nearly often enough. Bless his heart. I'm Rodney Wiedemeyer, a.k.a. the lowercase b. I think he had a uh, picture of me on a on, on deck one time, the side view made a B. <laughs> if you could, what would you go back and tell yourself when you were raising Josh? And was he being really difficult? <laughs> what would you tell ourselves? Well, at first it was like, holy cow, what have we done to ourselves here? Because he was really a challenge. And with these kids, it's easier for them to reject than to be rejected. And so they try to do everything they can to to be the one that... And we knew he had a lot of good in himself. Yeah. And we knew there was good there. He just had to bring it out. Main challenge was just to let him know that we wasn't going to give up on him and that uh, he's part of our family. Another piece of advice I'd like to give people would be that uh, it was given me a long time ago when I first started teaching and that is that uh, God doesn't make mistakes that there's good in everyone. Sometimes we just have to reach deeper to find it, but never give up. <laughs> One more round of applause for Josh, not us. And don't worry, we got his mama swag back. Thank you so much, Josh, for sharing your story and inspiring all of us. That was really amazing. Let's talk a little bit about 3D Foundation, what we've been doing. In the last year, we've raised $114,000. As you know, 
All the proceeds from these two eyeshadows, Miha and Stay Golden, are donated directly to the 3D Foundation. And, uh, we began doing this in June of 2017, and all those proceeds, what well, was $60,000 the first year, 113000 last year, and this money's, uh, that money had went towards making our film, Love is Never Wasted. For those of you who have, who have not seen the film, please see it. It's an amazing film. Uh, the producer from Removed Films uh, direct, directed it. We had an amazing uh, foster care uh, writer who grew up in foster care herself, wrote the script. Um, go to loveisneverwasted.com to see the film. Visit our Instagram page or uh, 3D Foundation or our website, 3dfoundation.org, for more information there. The film has had over 330,000 views on YouTube. It's also done very well in the be called film festival scene. <laughs> it was accepted to the Santa Barbara International Film Festival where it played there. Uh, the Toronto Shorts Film Festival where it won Best Foreign Film. It's also been shown at the Cleveland Film Festival the Child Welfare Film Festival in New York City where it won Best Narrative. And it will be playing in the Bali International Film Festival this October. We should all go. Let's go. <laughs> what are our goals going forward for the 3D Foundation? We want to set some good lofty goals. We want to get, in the next year, we want to raise $178,000. And what are we gonna do with the money? That's the real key. Um, what we wanna do is have a goal of 100 new foster families that we can not only get on that path, but we can support them along the way. So we're gonna create a website to keep them um, knowing what the next steps are and keep them along the process, supported. One of the things we noticed when we were going through the process is it's a, you know, it's a process and it's really easy to fall through the cracks at every, every step. And so we wanna be kind of there supporting them and coaching them all the way and then following them through their journey so that we can see how it touches their lives and then share it with others. Now look, we, we recognize becoming a foster parent is not a simple thing, and there is anxiety around it. Karen I's experience has been unbelievable. And I cannot guarantee everybody's experience will be the same, but I can guarantee you this. If you get involved, you will make a positive impact in the life of a hurting child. And at the end of the day, what could ever be more important than that? Thank you. Okay, so we'll let Billy get Where's on Billy? the stage. <laughs> there he is. Guess what? This is the favorite time of day, raffle time. I know it's the moment you all have been waiting for, the raffle prize drawing, and we know this is why you really came here to Vegas, right? All right. So uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. As a note, all winners must be present, okay? So sometimes we might have to draw a couple of these. And you must report to either side of the stage, you know, just whatever's closest to you, come up, 
so we can uh, identify the winnings. Oop, one of them fell out, so we're going to go with that one. And this is, oh, we are raffling for, not that I need these, I just like to look smart. Um, first up for our raffle prize, we're drawing for a Tony Birch purse. This handy little bag is perfect for holding all of your daily essentials, plus your mascara compacts and brushes. And the winner is Alexis Gear. Come on down. Hug me like I'm Bob Barker on The Price is Right. Oh, wait, Bob Barker doesn't do The Price is Right anymore, does he? Drew Carey on the front. Never mind. I don't want you to hug me. All right. We're going to do another one here. This is for uh, treat yourself to a weekly at-home spa night with this foot massager from Shiatsu Dome. Look at that. I know. And that's going to go to Jessica Lauren. Come on down. Bring it. Oh, we're doing it? You're going to hug me? Yeah. All right, right? And, they, and then they jump. Right, yeah, yeah. That's what they do. That's what they do. All right. How about that? Congratulations. That's, yep. There you go. That's for you. Good luck getting that one home. All right. Next step. We have an at-home teeth whitening system called High Smile. All right, smile gorgeous, you're on camera. This one goes to Vanessa Slosen. Is Vanessa here? There she is. Let me look at your teeth, I hope they're yellow. Oh, they're not. They're white. Mine are yellow, though, so you can, you know, when I was like, hook me up. All right. How about that? The next item up for grabs are some Apple AirPods. Yes. Live your best cord-free life with these little beauties. All right. And these go to Danielle Wheeler. Danielle. Guess who's not going to be paying attention to her kids? <laughs> what? I, I got... What? That's number four? Whoa. Yep, wear those. You're going to love them. I know, right? All right, here we go. Looking to take your photos to the next level? This next item is exactly what you've been looking for. A Canon camera. I know, I know. Okay, this woman put her phone number, her address, everything. Stephanie Bunnermock. She knew. She totally knew who it was. Oh, okay. Yes. You're teeny. We did a photo shoot, yeah, out there, the boomerang. That's you. How about that? Now you can take pictures on your new camera. Right. All right. 
Are you always on the go running around with 10 different bags to carry everything? Lighten up your load with this fond design duffel bag. <gasps> and this one goes to Carly Pig. Did I say that right? Did I say that right? I did. All right. Carly, look at that. Do you have to fly home? You are the best accessorized person on the plane. All right. She's going to be the envy of everybody. Okay. Blow dry your hair in record time with this Dyson hair dryer. I mean, if I had to be on Survivor, the one thing I would want would be my blow dryer. That's all. That would be the thing I'd take. All right. And this goes to... Colinda Vollmer. <laughs> Colinda. How about that? Do you dry your hair? Yeah. Okay, just making sure because some people just let it air dry. But when it's purple, you got to dry it. Yeah. Right, with the Dyson. Yeah. And you're going to be. Maybe the Dyson hair dryer is purple and it'll match your hair. Like, look. The front of it, look at how, oh, totally matches her hair. Oh, that's great. All right, so next up, get the lashes of your dreams without the hassle of extensions with this Lashify control kit. Lashify. Dana Lavigny. 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 I can't wait to find out how to say it. Dana Loving. Dana, how do you say your last name? Loving. Oh, that, that was easy. Okay. <laughs> that was great. You are going to have great lashes. How about that? Fantastic. All right, so next up, we have a $150 Lululemon gift card. I mean, come on, ladies. Melissa Kendall. <laughs> Melissa Kendall. Do you work out? I hope so. What a great reason to go to the gym, Lululemon. Working out is more fun when you're dressed in Lululemon's activewear. All right, so next up, this next item is the answer to all of your hair care needs. Dry Bar's Super Straight Up Bundle. Super Straight Up Bundle. Look at that. All right, this goes to Tracy Weber. I mean, you would think she just won Miss America. You should have seen. She did the total Miss America. She went like this. She went... Like, that is so cool. Are you so excited? I love that. All right. These next two items are the perfect remedy for cozy winter nights. Ooh. Two minky couture adult-sized blankets. Two separate people. Okay. So there's one. And I'm reaching way under. Here's another one. There we go. All right. So the first one is Jennifer Hendry. 
If I say your name's wrong, please come up and correct me because that's the worst. Is Jennifer here? All right, there she is, coming up. All right, you're going to be cozy this winter. That's All right, the next one is Camille Winter. <laughs> no, sir. I love that. Yes, Camille Winter. She is not going to be cold because she has a minky blanket. How about that? I wonder why they say minky. Like it's kind of minky. It's minky. I don't know. Anyway. All right. So here we go. Keep the outdoor parties going this summer with these tiki Bluetooth speakers from Sharper Image. Ooh. Look at those. Yeah. Alicia Wood. Now, this is pretty cool. Winter won the blanket and the outdoors speakers went to wood. See where we're going here? That's, we're theming the winners. And it, she's nursing her baby. Oh, what, what do we think? She's here. Okay, she's here. She's here, people. Could you ask her if I could borrow some of her breast milk? It's not disgusting. Let me tell you, one day, People are going to be putting that stuff all over their faces because it's going to make people, like, not wrinkled. I'm telling you, it's, it's a miracle. That stuff is miracle. Alicia Wood, remember that. Okay, here we go. Make the most of your mascara business with this LED video light panel. Who is going to look good? This is Michelle Kincaid. Michelle Kincaid. I want to be here when this one happens. Oh, oh, okay. All right, all right. So here's the next one. I thought you were going to tell me, hurry it up, Billy, because you're taking way too long. No, you're doing good. Okay. So there's Michelle's. All right. So here we go. Next, we are drawing for a new MacBook Air. What better way to manage your mascara business than with this fancy piece of technology? I love the little ads they have there. The writing here is great. Stephanie's doing all that. Stephanie, people. She's the one that wrote the lyrics to that song I sang last night. She's amazing. Yeah, we love her. All right, so this goes to Maria Hoff. Come on, Maria. I just met a girl. Name Maria, she won the MacBook Air. Are you crying? Are you excited? Come give Kara a hug. She wanted to see you win this. Give Kara a hug. She wanted to see you win it. You're so welcome. How about that? All right. Last but not least, we have the prize you have been waiting for. We are drawing for one winner to attend the highlight trip. Who is excited to win a trip with your, with your mascara sisters in Cabo, Mexico next March? Kara, do you want to say the name? 
Nicolette Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. Nicolette, you're going to Cabo. No, we're kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Go back. It wasn't you. <laughs> Are you excited? Are you stunned? I don't know what to think. You don't know what to think? What's weird about it? I don't know what to say. How about scream and jump up and down and like freak out? That's what we're, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for the, oh my God! That, that whole thing. It's true. She's having an out-of-body experience. Yeah. Total out-of-body experience there. All right. Well, congratulations Thank to you. all the raffle winners. And now, I don't need to welcome Kara back to the stage because she's already here. Here I am. So here she is, Kara. Okay, I have some more exciting stuff. So these are up and coming products that aren't released yet, but we got to give you a sneak peek. So we get really excited. So the name of our very first product is Halo. This is a groundbreaking product inspired by dry shampoo, but formulated for your face. So this will be a gorgeous powdery translucent powdery setting spray that's going to be a huge game changer for so many people. The next product is one we already have, but we're giving it a makeover because we really like makeovers. Houdini is going to be the name of our old Renouse or Restore. <laughs> I already gave up on the name, guys. It's now called Houdini, and it's coming in grown-up packaging, and it looks like a dream. But it still smells amazing and looks amazing like it did before. And we have another packaging makeover, which is our Stay Spray. Guys, doesn't that look gorgeous? A new spritzer. It's a little mistier, but still gets a lot on there because we know we need that. So the Stay Spray is also going to match the Houdini and the um, halo, and they look so beautiful together. And we gotta hook up our guys. The milk for men is finally getting their own microfiber cloths in their own packaging. So we're not leaving them out in the cold anymore. Okay. So we have so many great things upcoming this year. I want to bring Nick to the stage to talk a little bit more about that. Yes, one more huge announcement, right? Yes. Where will this massive party be next year? Let's watch the video.
Next year, September 17th through the 19th at Green Valley Ranch, just down the road. We traveled and we tried a bunch of different places and we took everything into account that we could. Um, and we felt like Vegas was so fun and so easy to get to for so many people. But we did want to get a different kind of a vibe. So we chose Green Valley Spa because it's a very resorty, palm trees, gorgeous pool vibe. And we're really excited. It's going to be amazing. So we have a pre-registration price for everyone here and kind of special um, things for everyone here that buys it this I think today and tomorrow, you'll get a card on your way out that will give you all the information you'll need to know. Be sure to be here next year. We have been so grateful to spend this week with you. Um, to bring the whole thing to a close, we wanted to play a special video that we made just for this event. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Perhaps you see a daughter, a friend, a sister, a mom, or a wife. You see joyful moments and crinkles around your eyes and difficult times that have weighed heavy on your shoulders. You see growth and change. You see scars and healing. You see strengths and weaknesses, courage and fear. You are beautiful and you are more than your reflection. At Mascara Beauty, we truly believe that you can have your cake and eat it too. But what does that really mean? It means you don't have to choose between financially supporting your family and spending time with them. It means you don't have to choose between helping yourself or helping others. With a little creativity, optimism, and hard work, you can have it all. And becoming a member of our community who lift and support each other, well, that's just the icing on the cake. After all, looking beautiful is nice, but feeling beautiful is life-changing. We are in the business of changing lives. When we look in the mirror, we see a company, but we also see daughters, friends, sisters, moms, and wives. Sons, brothers, fathers, and husbands too. We see exciting successes and frustrating setbacks. We see growth and change. We see commitment to family and community. We see a mission that inspires impact beyond outward beauty. We are Mascara Beauty, and we are more than makeup. As you each head back to your home and to reign over your own destiny, we we hoped that this would impact the way that you see mascara and the way that you see it in your life. Um, we wanted to bring our family up. Some of them are here. Where's cameras? I think we finished. A little early. Where'd the baby <laughs> run off to? Is there a baby back there? Oh, there's two guys. Come on, dudes. Say thanks, Poppy. Where's the baby? There's a there baby. He is. <laughs> Come here, Braid. Come here. I want to go back. <laughs> and then we really wanted to bring our mascara family up here as well. We have Randy, who is 
the one that made everything visual that you see, the beautiful wings, and all of this was kind of her brainchild. Randy, so where are amazing. you? amazing. Where's Randy? <laughs> we have Stephanie, who you know wrote all that, the beautiful words and everything clever you ever see. That's Stephanie. We have Abby, everything visual, all of the writing, all of those flags, literally everything, Abby. And last but definitely not least, Natalie, who planned the entire event. She is absolutely amazing. Our entire team at Mascara really puts everything they have and their whole heart out, guys. business, and we're so lucky to have them. So get on up here, all of us. Come here. Mama, okay. Mama, okay. Oh. Say hi, guys. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for sharing this weekend with us. Come on out. We look forward to seeing you all at the Kaleidoscope party. Don't forget your crowns. Guys, you at the party? From 8.30 to 10.30 at the pool, we can dance up by